Hello everyone, welcome to The Ravit Show. We have a very special guest today. It's none other than Ashwin Rajiva, co-founder and CTO at Excel Data. Today we will be discussing a lot around how Excel Data uses Databricks Spark to automate petabyte scale data validation and reliability. I'm super excited because uh, Ashwin has agreed he'll be happy to go over and above uh, and talk about the tech space, about startups and any other questions that you guys have around data, feel free to put in uh, and don't forget to tag Ashwin. So he'll be happy to take those questions later in the chat. Also, uh, a little about our guest. Ashwin is the CTO and co-founder at Excel Data. He's a seasoned technology leader with 15 plus years of experience as a developer, consultant and architect for data intensive software systems. Prior to founding Excel Data, Ashwin was a software architect at uh, Hortonworks, uh, where he led the development of data play in hybrid cloud data services. It was your that he met Rohit Chaudhary, co-founder and CEO at Excel Data, and both were inspired to start Excel Data to address the problem of multi-million dollar data initiatives failing due to lack of holistic view of data processing data and data pipelines across the enterprise. Also, we have a very cool giveaway that we are doing. Obviously, you guys know the ticker that's running below. What you need to do is just type in hashtag 365 data science and I'll be picking up two winners uh, from the chat. So feel free to uh, type in hashtag 365 data science. All right, let's not make our guest wait anymore and let's have Ashwin here. Hey, Ashwin, welcome to the Ravid Show. How are you? Hey, hi, Ravid. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Ashwin, uh, I was just letting folks know about how you, about, a little about you, your background, how you met Ash, uh, Rohit and how you started Excel Data, but we would definitely want to learn more about uh, a lot around data observability space, about, uh, you know, how you have seen things evolving and I'm, I'm sure there'll be a lot of questions from the audience as well. Once we go, we, we'll be, you know, broadcasting this live. So uh, definitely I urge everyone for those who are, uh, who will be attending this live, you can always tag Ashwin and uh, add your questions in there. Uh, but to start with Ashwin, can you introduce yourself? Hey, uh, yeah, you know, thanks again for having me. So yeah, about me, um, of course I'm Ashwin. Um, you know, I've been in the data field in and around technology for about, you know, 50, more than 15 years now. And, uh, you know, before Axel Data, I was at Hortonworks. I was an architect there. Um, I've lived, um, you know, for about five years. At, at the, when, when I was at Hortonworks, I used to live in, in, in Berlin. Um, I lived there for about five years um, just to, you know, change of environment of sorts. And before um, Hortonworks, I was, a, you know, consultant. Um, so I've worked with e-commerce companies. I've worked with, you know, new banks. I've worked with especially with things like even e-commerce fulfillment, um, you know, um, as a consultant. And before that, I tried my hand at a couple of uh, other, you know, being an early employee at a startup and starting my own kind of social media monitoring company with, with friends. And I was, before that, I was at ThoughtWorks and, and so on and so forth, right? Um, most of my, you know, work has been around, um, you know, systems. And I consider myself as a kind of an architect at heart, right? A software architect. So I would say most of what I do is, is figuring out how much can be done at what cost in what time, right? That's pretty much my skill set. And um, that is, uh, 
applying that to data systems and and more recently uh, you know with axel data trying to apply that knowledge uh, to to building observability for data scientists and data operators in general uh, and 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 making sure that they have um, you know an easier experience at work right so data engineers when they're working they need the tools and the practices and the processes kind of do their job better so that's what you know we are doing in axel data okay this is fantastic and <laughs> the the way you describe what you do is so actually it's very important that what you've mentioned you know what how much time it takes what what would be the cost and obviously the cost cutting and all of those things as well where you will be actually looking at the product very minutely but uh, definitely a great uh, uh background that you've given thanks for that ashwin also i know for a fact we'll be talking a lot around data observability but you know just for our audience what how would you actually uh, describe like what is data observability according to you okay it's it's a great question and i think because the space is so new and you know um people are just starting to talk about it right so when we started yeah. out let's say 2018 is when we started and 2019 is when we said hey you know um we are doing observability but we are doing for data systems so let this be called data observability and we thought we were the first ones who kind of you know came up with this concept but as it turns yeah. out of course there are other people also working and thinking about this right because in the industry the common the the the, the set of problems that you know a lot of people face kind of have a tendency to baseline at some point in time um mm. and and what we realized is that you know a lot of def definitions are essentially floating around but there's no one true definition right so what i'm going to do is i'm going to try to give you my best estimate of what we think as a company uh, you know data observability is what our vision is and and how do you define it right so i will kind of put this very simply and we will you know try to trace it back to the origins of the word observability itself right Nice. so observability itself is something newish it's, it's not been around for too long but the idea is that hey you know instead of doing some sort of uh, monitoring of your applications and apps and systems which is more reactive in nature you do a little bit proactive you know instrumentation and then you essentially as a developer or as a function or as an engineering lead uh, team understand your applications and environments better right so that's observability and then there's a like a definition for it which comes from control theory right it will not will not go there but what it translates down in 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 real life is that hey if you are an application developer and you are building an application and let's say assume you write it in you know go language java you have to put in enough instrumentation and code and traces and logs to emit enough intelligence that you can then analyze performance at real time which now is a standard practice so if you're a professional developer you need to understand frameworks like you know prometheus grafana um you know loki elastic log search um you know cloud trail um even going to companies which are data log and new relic right mm. now there's a parallel trend so you know this is about observability and how it applies to application engineering now there's a parallel trend which is happening and this is you know for everybody is that in the last 10 years data engineering and data science is essentially now a practice on its own right so there was a time where you didn't have a job called a data scientist and now it's there right and it's a like like there are every company uh, worth its salt has a data team has a data engineering team has a data science team 
and is essentially so, looking how can they make you know intelligent decisions on the data that they collect right and this trend is essentially you know increasing and you would see how value is being created in the data ecosystem why companies such as confluent snowflake data breaks who have you know recently um, built mega companies on top of the right. the same motion which says that data engineering is now as important as application engineering right and an important okay. aspect of now that since you're doing you know your data engineering as as important to your enterprise as you know application engineering it's also important that you you maintain the same level of discipline or slash observability or understanding of how your data system is doing right and that tool set does not really exist why does why it doesn't exist because the concerns of the data team are different from the concerns of an application team most of application observability is all around latency how long does something take right mm. how long did my page take to load how long does my database connection is doing how is my heap memory how is my cpu doing how are my resource usages and wastages whereas on the data world i think the the parameters are slightly different right where people are worried more about data reliability they are worried about data quality they are worried about uh data slas they talk about data timeliness freshness volume and all the other things which you talk about you know when you when you talk about how do you monitor a data system so they are fundamentally different right so for us yeah. this difference we could observe because at hortonworks which was you know one of the first companies to take advantage of the explosion in data engineering data science we see this day to day right where where you have you know thousands of customers and they have a similar complaint where they say hey i don't know how to monitor or how to look at my data systems where my concerns are not so much about cpu and you know uh, perform you know cpu memory and 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 those aspects which you worry about but more around can this data be trusted can this data be relied upon can does this data do my job why did not why did this data not arrive today why do i have 10000 rows out instead of 10 100000 rows right so we as a company you know what what do we do you know you you got to imagine your entire you know take take a big big enterprise let's take you know um, pepsi right and mm-hmm. like any other enterprise they are on a you know data journey right so i'm sure that they have in some way or other data engineers and data scientists and they build data pipelines and they're trying to analyze all their data to figure out hey what is the next business to invest in and you can apply this to a bank a shipping company whatever you feel like right and if you imagine this data pipeline their data engineering team and their data infrastructure to be a large um, you know ship of sorts right think of a large ship it's a complicated system too many moving parts you know engine propeller tanks you know hull 100 different things accelerator is essentially the cabin right the the captain's deck right. you have all the information you need about this extremely complicated system at your fingertips and you have information from different sources all tied together in a way that it allows you to make the right decision when things go wrong that's essentially what accelerator does and we are building it you know as of course data observability has a practice level associated with it right that it needs to be adopted by engineering teams and then it has the you know the 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 software associated with that practice so we are in the business of you know defining that practice of what data observability is and also to build the reference implementation of how people should do you know something like data observability so that's where that's what we do 
I think this was amazing explanation out there. Uh, great insight shared, and uh, I know for, for a fact you've kind of covered a lot of ground in terms of you know monitoring about application developer, even you know uh, watching out at the performance real time, which is super important. I know for a fact you also you know mentioned about uh, data observability uh, and uh, something when we talk about you know obviously data observability the the most uh, the most heard question or the most uh, you know where as far as i have seen people asking a lot around is what is the different uh, difference between data observability and ai observability what's your take on that ashwin yeah that's i think they are very closely related right and you know you might in my opinion um, you know somehow in some way ai observability or let's say even if you call it let's say you know observability around ai and ml systems right it it makes a little mm. bit more sense to think about it like this it kind of folds in into data observability at some some level right okay. but um the way it would be and and you know ai systems are essentially data systems right so they mm. build insight on some data which is existing right and to build okay. this insight um you know there are two aspects one is that what is the outcome of a ai or ml process which is mostly you know models and uh, you know related tech around generating models and deriving insight right on top of off of them and there's the data aspect so if your ai system cannot get the right data or you build your model on a certain set of assumptions but that model but that data assumption has changed in terms of the data itself then it also becomes you know a data problem right is that that the data is not fine so i would the way i think of it is not i don't think there's like a you know the difference is in the in what they observe or in what they you know actually look at so in in the ai observability world a lot of companies which are out there are essentially looking at model performance and model monitoring and what does the you know what it means in you know data drifts and things like that and for us i think in the future maybe it folds into something like a data observability platform or a software but we are i think one step you know behind where we look at the data and not necessarily you know the models and the technologies that which are running okay that makes a lot of sense where you are obviously focusing more on the data as of now and the models kind of come up later and exactly yeah, yeah. that that makes a lot of sense so you're also that brings me to another question which you lightly mentioned about was about data reliability and data quality so how do you you know since you are in a stage where data kind of plays a very important role how do you look at, uh, how do you actually get get into the data reliability and data quality what what are the key components that you look and what's your take on this yeah can you still hear me yeah, yeah now i think you yeah um yeah. uh yeah it, it's a great question so like i said right um i think the definitions are important so what ends up happening thing is that um data quality is you know easy to understand right uh, mm -hmm. there's some data in your in your um in your in your table in your data store and whether that you know fits a certain um you know assertion or not right that's essentially what data quality is how many nulls and you know what's going on now for me i think 
data quality folds very nicely into data observability. Why? Because data observability, according to me, is a much broader aspect. It is more of a practice, right, in which data quality can play an essential role. And the same with data reliability. And I'll explain why I say it, right? So just imagine yeah. any complex system, right? And, um, you know, you can look at, you know, a data pipeline and just imagine, let's say, a technology like Spark. I think, you know, we have, we're going to talk about Spark a little bit in this, in this context. Yep. Now, when you are executing something on Spark and there's an input, there's an output and the, the Spark system is in the middle, right? So you ran a Spark job, there's an output which came in from an input and then this function uh, which operates on this, this data set um, can do one of many things, right? It might be an analytical data set, might be a machine learning workload, it might be anything. But the, uh, the, the, but the fact is that there was some data which was fed as input and there was some data which, you know, came out of the processing. Now, right. if you look at like a, take a holistic view that, hey, as an expert, do you understand the system? So you can't just start with something like, you know, data quality. Right? Is the data which this system spat out, is it correct or not, right? Because that's just an aspect of what it does. So a complicated system like Spark or any query engine or any analytical system essentially has three or four aspects related to it. Number one, it's never in isolation, right? You, the data which this Spark job ran actually came through some sort of a pipeline, right? So how did it arrive, right? What What is the journey it took? How long did it take to come? When the data came in, how was the shape of it? When you analyzed it, then, you know, what really happened? The second is the Spark system itself, which is essentially an execution engine. It's a compute yeah. function, which runs on infrastructure, which might be running on the cloud, right? So if how you run a Spark job is different in the way you run it on your, you know, uh, data center. It might be different if you use a engine like EMR. It is different when you use Databricks. There are different performance characteristics. The configuration of this Spark job played a huge impact on how fast or how efficiently this data was processed. And then came out the data on which you want to know whether it is reliable or not, right? So according to Axel data, the, the the observation scenario is all of it and not just the quality of the data, right? Mm. So that's why if you look at our website and if you look at our hypothesis and if you look at our literature, we always talk about infrastructure and compute. We talk about data reliability and we talk about pipeline monitoring, right? So when you put enough probes, so what we do as a company, what our software does is that we put probes, not just on the data to measure data quality, but we put, you know, probes in the Spark engine. We will put a probe in your compute environment. We will put a probe in the data pipeline, which is maybe something like an airflow. And then when, you know, this execution happens, we have all the information which is required to ascertain why something went wrong. And if that is, if the data is of poor quality, or if you talk about a reliability scenario where you say, hey, not all of my data was processed in time, then we don't throw an alert and say, okay, you don't have, instead of you know 100,000 rows, you've got only 10,000 rows, but we can also tell you why it happened because we also understand infrastructure and compute and things like cost. How much does it cost to actually do you know this kind of analysis? So, so for us, data reliability and data quality are aspects of 
data observability, which I think is a larger umbrella. And we as a company look at it at a very, you know, from a from a holistic point of view where we look at the end-to-end -end journey of a data. And that's why the whole concept of multidimensional data observability. And it's not just related to if your data is late or if it's, you know, not coming on time. And like that. No, I think this makes a lot of sense in terms of, you know, uh, tying data reliability, data quality, very well with data observability. And obviously data observability sitting out there, uh, you know, as an umbrella for both of both of these. And there are many more aspects that obviously you've spoken around that you kind of consider before even making, saying that the data kind of, you know, is uh, reliable and is uh, rich in quality. And that's one of the reasons why Excel Data is one of the leaders out there <laughs> because you know your game very well, Ashwin. So thanks for sharing those insights. Also, I know for a fact you spoke a little about Spark and Databricks here. So, I wanted to shift gears a bit around uh, and understand since we know, you know, Databricks enables users to manage clusters and deploy Spark applications in cloud environments. So there is a, you know, ton of activities that are going in the type of environment, but how does data observability play a part and what can it do to improve the cluster performance? I know you've spoken a bit about it, but why not get into the weeds of it? Yeah. 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 It's a great, great question. Yeah, so you know, Databricks is a it's a great company and a, you know a great um, I think a great compute environment for people yep. who who don't really want to you know manage a lot of these things themselves, right? So the the critical part I think is management, right? To run a cluster reliably, you need you know great talent, uh, you need uh, excellent infrastructure, which I think Databricks has you know. Of course, they improve the Spark engine and then they make it a managed service so you don't really have to do something. So it's a very, you know, interesting um, uh, offering out there, right? Now, there are two aspects to it. One is the question which you mentioned, which is how do you improve something like a cluster performance? Yep. Yeah, this is, you know, which I like you mentioned, this is an aspect of observability, right? What can I do to improve my performance, right? Um, if you are on the application world and you see that your HTTP call is slow, you might say, what can I do? And then you figure out, okay, the database connections are all maxed out and I need to increase the connection size. So there is sending information saying something is wrong is not sufficient for anybody to take any action towards it, right? So what do I do next? I think that's the important question. So I'll touch on two aspects of it. So what can you yeah. do in terms of cluster performance? In my, you know, when I was speaking previously, what I mentioned is, you know, for all other, the, the platforms that we support, we build probes which you can instrument in your um, in your in your uh, environment, right? So one aspect of it is that we have two important probes that Databricks customers can use. Uh, one is one is that if you use our uh, software for Databricks, which is in preview right now, um, you know we are gonna install or you know you're gonna instrument your Databricks cluster. That is number one. The number two thing which you can do is we also as a as a you know as a solution we also provide an SDK, and that SDK you can actually integrate in your Spark jobs, and you mm. can define just like how a developer would do important aspects of what the behavior should be, and we also yeah. do a, you know collect a lot of information around you know how much time did it take, you know how much time did a method take to execute and things like that. 
and then at the end you can put a you know a probe on your data as well which is maybe because you're using databricks it is sitting in delta lake so you can pick a delta table and you can say i want a quality you know uh, you know quality assessment on this table so now mm-hmm. imagine when a spark job is running inside the databricks environment we are getting information about the ec2 instances on that let's say assuming it's uh, you know databricks for aws we are getting information on the ec2 inform- environments which it's running on we are getting information about the spark job its performance its configuration its shuffle information all of that information which you which you would like about spark you're getting information from our instrumentation which says if you are doing you know let's say step 1 step 2 step 3 you can describe using our sdk that i'm actually now doing you know let's say the data processing part then now now i'm doing unification now i am doing deduplication you can actually define this aspect right okay. and the fourth part is that you know now the data lands in something like a delta lake and you are also running the um, the quality run now just imagine that you on the accelerator platform you can come in and it shows you that your data ingestion started at t0 then you know there is a spark job which was executed which had this mm-hmm. configuration which ran on data breaks from which the the part 1 took 5 seconds and the part 2 took 10 seconds part 3 took 4 wow. seconds which resulted in a delta lake table for which the quality score is 84% oh. right so now now for for an observer right it's essentially very clear on what this data pipeline does right so you can look at it from a data perspective did my data come on time how how much time did individual processing steps take and if they took long can i look at the spark configuration and make a change right so what we want to do is when we want you we want the, the the implementer or the you know the data engineer to have every single piece of information which yeah. allows you to you know make the right changes or the judgment on a daily basis and that's where the analogy of you know the captain's desk comes in right you have all the information you need and when you have all the information you need is when you can make the right decision right wow i think yeah definitely this is something which is super interesting in terms of you know when when you kind of have like the all the statistics in place you have like all uh you know from point a to point b to point c to point d if you see everything how your data is running what's happening in there and you know you can definitely understand each and every aspect of the data pipeline i think it's a big win for those who are actually running the data there and observability obviously plays the most uh, you know the the most important role there so i exactly. does this also help a lot of data engineers and you know not only just them but also the business uh, folks to make decisions according to that that okay we are kind of you know i know for a fact i have a uh, question around uh, you know the cost cost costing bit as well but does that also impact the decision making in any way have you like seen that ashwin do you have any example that yeah i i think i i think it does so you know for for stakeholders what is most important is the outcome right which is cool. essentially sla right um most problems where we face where you know you have to work kind of backwards from why an sla is not met right that's like the basic you know starting point right that your sla is not met and why that sla is not met now 
a lot of our you know competitors um are you say you know ketops already companies are more or less kind of concentrated on um uh, you know what what really happened from a data perspective right mm. so you know think of a you know concept like my data has not come or my data has duplicates it's all about you know what that aspect is which then leads to you know the end result which so for executives it's all about sla now how do you define in a complex scenario what part of your system is not working correctly true right that can only be defined by going you know deeper inside and a lot of instrument data right where you go and you know at least every aspect of the system and only then you can actually define what is going wrong so if you think of a cdo or a vp of data engineering perspective yeah what is the question they are asking why is my sla not met why is the data late why is the report incorrect right exactly. and what we want to do is answer the why question at every single level mm. right so for us from the from a business perspective you know we are an enterprise company we talk to a lot of you know uh, state state stakeholders you know cds vps of data engineering their first question is all about why is it late and nowadays a little bit more why is it expensive right so wow. that's where yeah. they they concentrate yeah yeah that's very true and you know talking about the second point why is it expensive i know for a fact you know cost overruns you know are a killer for data teams where cdos kind of you know obviously focus a lot nowadays as well in uh, not only just the cdos but also the the exec teams they obviously want to make sure that the there are no cost overruns so how does data observability you know provide a part to better cost monitoring but when running databricks cluster that that is something what we can you know can you yeah. put some light on that as well ashwin yeah i'll 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 try to generalize a little bit um, yeah. you know uh, not not specifically concentrate on database but i think it would be kind of obvious you know when when you hear the story right yep. now um two aspects one is that on cloud things are expensive which everybody knows right exactly and now why why does it work like that and i'll you know take a little bit time explaining this yeah. um you know for 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 a business a big business aws is uh, you know a cost which you pay for flexibility in infrastructure right cloud is a True. cost you pay for flexibility infrastructure and you know um, and and basically it, it amazon and all the big cloud players essentially want to capture this is huge business infrastructure is huge business now what right. ends up happening in a typical scenario you take a bank and you know, a bank the internal team wants to build a internal app for which there is an audience of about say 2000 employees that's all they want to build and this is essentially you know an internal app which does some i don't know some price prediction or something yeah whatever it is now okay. what will end up happening is that they will realize if they build this on aws that this is going to cost them you know 200000 a year why is it because when you build on aws you know yeah. what is the team going to do they are going to build you know redundancy multi region you know miscalculate the amount of resources it needs to actually build an app which serves you know 1000 people right they'll have load balancers and they'll have backups and they'll have all kinds of strategies for an application which does not need right which could be actually built on if you had a data center and you had limited resources you would say hey you know uh, you know just use one or two you know instances of machines to actually build this so the 
the the crux of the matter is that the fact that compute is cheap and easily available is mm. lends itself to abuse right at every level so if for every single app you are you know you have redundancy and you have bandwidth and you have big machines and you have all kinds of stuff going then every single app is going to cost 100000 now imagine it you know a company which is building a data pipeline mm. data pipelines are built largely on environments let's say if you choose open source environments then you are actually building your data pipeline on the work on you know existing software for example kafka for example you know snowflake or databricks or spark you know presto open source stuff or even cloud stuff now this is you know one layer layer on top so when you pay snowflake for you know running a query you have no you have you have some idea of what it's going to cost but you don't have like a very good understanding of when hundreds of people are using snowflake and then you're you know consistently running you know your queries you don't really know how long it runs how is the attribution who is you know doing you, you know who is running more query and then you don't know how it actually impacts from a from a cloud cost perspective so your cost is not just your cloud but your cost for something like databricks which runs in your own environment is also your own cloud expenses plus databricks expenses so because again computer is cheap you think you can you know you have infinite capacity you might put some settings you might put things where you can just blow off the cost right so again so from a from a data perspective and a cost perspective again i think that accelerator in a great is in a great position to understand why this happens because we have probes everywhere right exactly. so if you look at you know if you look at a query which is running we can actually tell if it's running efficiently by looking at the you know the the performance of the, the actual performance numbers of that query and then we can wow. figure out how much it's costing and then we have mechanisms which says you know if if certain queries cost more you you know you can you can actually trigger you know actions to kind of you know go ahead and kill it or you can alert it so for us when it comes to finops right which is the newer term just like data observability for cloud cost like financial operations uh, you know finops on on cloud when it comes to finops it's again it's a it's a it's it's very you know natural for us to kind of consider this as an aspect of data observability right and not finops when it comes to you know hey is my ec2 machine costing too much it's about the cost of a data pipeline or a cost of a data operation or the cost of a certain sql and whether it's rational or it's not rational right and then having enough again since we have probes everywhere what we do is we collect mm -hmm. information we attribute it to the right cause and we present this information to our customers so that they can make the right decisions right so that's 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 how it works so whether you know do we kind of you know reduce costs for data teams i would say we present all the information so that they they right. can take a decision whether it's running efficiently or not right because that's what we do as observability company but we are mm -hmm. not in the you know business of saying that you know why are you spending so much why don't you shift your engine no none of it yeah. but we present that we we have the information and we present the information yeah i think ashwin definitely it makes a lot of sense when you say that you know it's more on the lines where you are uh, you know presenting to companies and showing them the you know the results with data observability that 
these are the costs where you know obviously when when you say there's a query running we talk about uh, we'll be actually looking at the performance numbers then understanding the cost and then presenting it to the folks who are actually you know wanting to take up excel data so it does make a lot of sense and yeah finops is something which is now very very much you know a, a thing where uh, i know for a fact where cdos the smes they kind of focus on that as well so it does make a lot of sense also you know that i know for a fact we spoke about a little about data reliability but you know this kind of brings me back to with all this happening the you know the reliability of the data is maybe the most important factor that i see you know it, it, when a query is running when the data is running and how can data teams look at their uh, look at all their data sources and make sure you know all the data being processed through your spark jobs is reliable like what's your take there ashwin yeah um you know like like the way we at least kind of rationalize it and you know just let yeah. me read through the question again um yeah that's that's great so um yeah so let, let me get into a little bit of a of a detail here right when you talk of a data pipeline and yeah. if you talk about a solution built for data pipelines like axel data there is a um you know a notion of in the end what is it right even if you take a data quality tool what is it doing it's essentially looking at a data table in your environment mm -hmm. and it's figuring out certain properties of the data right oh. now let's assume that you had a table with a billion rows right and one easy data quality metric let's say is the number of nulls right so right. if you had to build a data quality tool all you have to do is you have to write you have to provide a way a ui in which you can essentially say check the nulls for this column and that will be translated into a you know a query which will be executed on this billion row table so we'll say select this table where this column is null and out of a billion let's say 200 million are null so you say 80% is perfect 20% is bad right now um for us like i said we have we we very probes for every aspect of the data pipeline right so let's assume yeah. that you have now a you know a delta table or a, a data warehouse table which is being produced by something like a spark job and you want to know it's reliable now what does reliability mean reliability might mean 10 things to 10 different people right so it might be something about data quality for team team number 1 it might be about timeliness for team number 2 and for some you know customer like a financial customer it might be that the addresses which have come in as the column the pin code should be a valid us pin code right it that might be updated then so if you take a you know a kind of a technical approach to it and we say hey why don't you design this software you would say hey because you know i have to process a lot of data i provide you know some sort of a compute environment where you can send all this queries it will go and figure out whether the data is correct or not or whatever right the way we approached it is essentially it's very simple right unlike our competitors who are querying the data from their software from the cloud or from on prem and looking at data quality what we have done is that we said we have what we are doing is that we ship a compute environment right next to where your data is So if your data is on prem we will give you an environment which is managed by axel data in your on prem if your data is on bigquery we will give you an we give you a compute environment which you can execute inside google 
if your data is on AWS Redshift, then we'll give you something which you can execute. And this is a managed service, right? So everything is managed from the accelerator environment. Once you have that, then based on what you think is data reliability, you can send a workload to this environment. Now, this might be a data quality workload. This might be a data security workload. This might be a sensitive data detection workload. It might be a compliance workload. It might be anything which you think is data is, is essentially is data reliability. So we don't have a reductive approach where we reduce everything to say, hey, is the value in this column correct? That is what data reliability is. Your data reliability is different when you are a medical guy, when you are from a finance bank, you know, financial company to where you are a data provider, right? And what we need to do is we need to enable the customer or the, you know, or the enterprise to be able to define what reliability means for them, number one, and then have it execute on a, efficiently on a certain environment. So the key difference for us is that we can provide a mechanism to execute whatever the customer thinks reliability means for them. And it yeah. might very well mean data quality, but it might also mean, you know, that, you know, sensitive data is not being, you know, shown. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and it might be about, you know, um, uh, it might be about missing fields. It might be about, you know, changing schemas. So all of this, which comes under the larger umbrella of data reliability can be executed from our engine. Right. So that's how at least we have designed it. Okay, that's very much fair and uh, great uh, details there, Ashwin. Also, uh, you know, I know I've spoken a lot around data reliability, data quality, but also can you walk me through a scenario where data engineering team can use data observability, you know, to model scenario-driven planning for data validation and reliability together? Yeah, this, you know, great question. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I, um, if I understand all parts of it, but I'll try, you know, best way to answer this. So nice. how, how does, you know, how does a data engineering team use data reliability? It's a simple, pretty good, easy answer for it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think data observability should be top of the mind when you are a data engineer. And why okay. do I say that? Because it's not a push the fact, you know, monitoring system that you need to look at right um and i can easily draw parallels to the application observability world right so what is a good engineer right or what is what is a well-designed software a well-designed software let's say you're building a rest api or a, or a service is when the developer has put in enough information about their functionality mm -hmm. that it could be observed right and how how do developers do it they write log statements right they write traces, they use something like open tracing, they write, you know, metrics, they emit metrics, how many connections are open, how many, how much time did this part of the code take. So a good developer, when they follow good development practices, will mm. build in these things as they go along. In the same vein, what data engineers can do as the practice of data observability matures, essentially use a toolkit like Axel Data, hopefully, in which they can put in the right probes in the right places. So when their job or their data pipeline actually executes, they have all the information that they need to go and basically verify, validate, correct, change, measure, monitor, right? And have, you know, the right information they need. 
that's essentially what a data engineering team's you know responsibility is not post the fact that i wrote a job and tell me why it's not working right it's also right. because we provide that capability but i think from a practice perspective it only works when there are certain good practices that you follow and my hope is that the data observability also just doesn't evolve as a market for software but also as a practice where people follow certain known design patterns where you know your system your data engine you know is is more easy to maintain operate observe and reply i think this is very important where and you mentioned a very important point here you know where data engineers should actually understand data observability very well because it will help them to carry out many of the aspects very smoothly when it comes to you know data pipelines so great answer there ashwin thanks for that also uh, you know i know I, we've spoken a lot around uh data quality reliability and uh, other stuff in data but uh, a, a question that obviously is uh, uh that i had in is kind of a hot topic right now about uh, modern data stack so what what are your thoughts about that ashwin yeah i think um you know you can look at it from uh, a generational perspective and you can have mm. you know multiple definitions around it but i think a easy way to conceptualize and understand is as simple as this right so <clears throat> i started my career actually um, in a yep. company in which my first uh, job was essentially a you know working on a, a etl pipeline on this thing called ssis uh, sql server integration services and um once the the integration pipeline used to run it used to put out a report uh, into a table that table was actually built on uh, you know db2 for some reason and on db2 there was a system called cognos now this system essentially um, used to work in a very batch mode right so you had like you know a month end reporting you had a weekly reporting you pick some data an etl pipeline runs uh, and then it provides some information into a table then you have something like a cognos bi where that is like a developer who is doing it and then you get a report right so it's a, it's a completely kind of a back office function for any enterprise mm-hmm. and um you know then came in the, the, the compute or let's say processing became cheaper right mm-hmm. became more commoditized so as you went yeah. on from that world you know things like hadoop came in where you say hey you know you don't need a vendor to come in and give you like a mm-hmm. big machine and then you run stuff on it here is you can run this on commodity machines it's a distributed architecture and you can run it right so if you consider yeah. that as like the next evolution and then you know frameworks like hive and things like that now the essentially the you know what you would call a modern data stack is a, the next step from that where you are saying that hey now at this point in time cloud is so pers- the cloud systems are so pervasive pervasive right and so available and and in in some sense also cheap and it kind of you know conflates to what i said earlier but if you take away you know the management data center running having a person actually operating the whole data center all of that then in some aspects that you know you don't pay as much for the cloud if you had to maintain your own infrastructure right so in terms of at least even people right and is at at a certain price point where you can do a lot of it and of course the you know the the nature of work also has changed so data has become a lot more real time you need to have you know there's a company even a company like hdfc in india 
can run like a job which will tell you you know whether your credit worthy in about 5 minutes or so right they have they have things like that so as this as this you know motion to cloud has happened a lot of this this effort which was available you know which you had to do to kind of get something going whether it was on the hadoop stack or whether on the you know the one before has kind of gone away right so a lot of the the motion towards what is a modern data stack is also very tightly coupled to what is available on the cloud right so when you talk about then warehouses then a modern data stack is essentially saying hey it's a cloud warehouse either it's snowflake or it's you know data breaks or it's uh, you know um, maybe something new like starbucks right and and yeah. then a lot of of course now that you've moved your compute and your data on the cloud of course the rest of the stuff also need to kind of move right so whether it's governance tools or etl tools or reverse etl tools or elt tools right hmm. they essentially have moved from what used to be an informatica slash ssis kind of domain into something more open source and more conducive to this environment something like dbt right where you do a load and you do do a transformation so in my opinion you know the challenges don't really change right you earlier had a challenge on prem now you had a challenge on you have on the cloud maybe the aspects change a little bit right you are not so worried about saving compute cost because on prem mm-hmm. if you had to get more machines you have to buy servers that's not okay. like you know a huge thing you are you are not you know necessarily optimizing on the same environment the same aspects but the mm-hmm. challenges are same right even on the modern data stack you have to do data governance you have to do master data management you have to do data quality you have to do data observability you know all these challenges don't change but i think a lot of this you know modern data stack is tied to being available on the cloud right and a lot and if you look at the reference architectures which people send it's it's a lot about what's on the cloud but for us as a company you know challenges are the same right everybody you know you still had a problem on hadoop you still have a problem on snowflake the nature of the problem is slightly different and the solution yeah. is still that you need to place probes in the right places so that you can get the right information that's the just the placement has changed right now i think this is amazing uh, ashwin the a great explanation about modern data stack it's more uh, you know obviously it's more about the business problem solving and i think for excel data it's more about you know putting the probes in the right places and that's what you do the best in you know it kind of brings in a lot for your you and your clients as well so uh, great stuff there also uh, you know i know we are towards the end of the show but uh, would love to hear your thoughts i know it's it's you know the space is kind of evolving very fast even the data observability space back then in 2018 it was completely different if i would you know i would say and now it has changed a lot and there are more uh, you know people have learned a lot more uh, now about this space but where do you see data observability space in the next 2 to 3 years ashwin um so i think you know the tech industry is such that there's a lot of noise which comes in when there's something oh. new right and you can see it you know everywhere right take web3 for example a lot of people have tried to define it then there'll be a people who will be like oh no that definition is not correct this definition is correct and this stuff goes on and on for years right. uh, but what doesn't change is like you know any business and especially any software i think the 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 way to look at a business is does it bring value right yeah. 
and i think the data observability as a business as a space will survive as long as the companies which are building it actually build value right mm-hmm. now we have chosen a certain you know we have a certain way of looking at this problem which we think brings the most value right so for data observability where do you see the market going i think um, number one is that you know adoption a lot of these are yeah. you know also practices not just software but it's also practice that you have to use just like you have you know as almost given like you have some sort of monitoring tool when you write code the same right. way i think you know you have to have data observability needs to become a practice number one and number two i think uh, the responsibilities for companies like us is to define what the value is because you can define a space in you know 100 different ways you can say oh this is you know umbrella of data quality and compute but do you bring you know value and i think for us uh, a good sign of where this market is going is the kind of customers that we are able to work with right so some of our customers if you look at a website is is you know true blue chip of the blue chip companies who are kind of you know expect their interest in working with us so if you take visa dun and bradstreet uh yep. you know dbs bank and and phone pay and and you know brand whitney so the way i look at it right when when companies like this are willing to work with like a 3 year old startup which is in a you know kind of a niche space of data observability then it tells me that there is you know we are in the right direction but like oh. a space is usually defined by a cohort right so it all depends on you know um eventually what brings the most value will be what how data observability is defined right what is it that brings the most value and if that like you said you were talking about you know data reliability being key if that is the key then a lot of you know data reliability players sorry data observability players are going to concentrate on reliability as an aspect and the rest of it might not take a lot of uptake right so that's how you basically kind of construct uh, a market which is kind of defined by the value which you bring a fantastic take there on uh, the data observability space and the future of it ashwin this is amazing also uh, a quick question that i had was around does excel data also have resources to learn about uh, data observability in this space do you have like books or blogs that you kind of put together yeah, where so we can I, I, yeah i think uh, uh, you know our linkedin is a great place so if you follow us on linkedin which almost every professional is on linkedin these days if you follow yeah. us on linkedin you you can get a lot of you know um well curated information about you know about the space about the tools about practices and what we do um another okay. good place is if you go to our website there's a resources section that we have put in in a lot of case studies and you know blogs and articles of what we want to do um we're also kind of you know uh, somehow the whole covid situation has meant that a lot of our team you know was not co-located right so we hired like a lot of people all over the place and now we have kind of come together and we are starting to work from office right so uh, we are now planning you know meetups and you know get togethers this one happening i think on the 29th which is about snowflake at our bangalore office um you know details are on linkedin um and then you know you're most welcome to come and you know meet us as well um and of course um you know kind of a pitch there if you want to learn you know more about data observability and if you think you know you you want to work in this field we are hiring for all positions wow and so you know you can reach out to me directly uh, and you know 
we solve some, especially in the Indian startup landscape, right? There are very few what you would call or what investors would call a deep tech company. So we we happen to be a deep tech company. And so if you want to do deep tech, you know, you, you guys are most welcome. No, I'm sure, you know, there, uh, there are many folks who might be super interested to learn more about, like you say, deep tech and would want to work with a company like Accelerator, which has fantastic future, obviously, with leaders like you, Tristan, Rohit, out there and the complete team i would say are doing fantastic uh, uh, but uh, great information here ashwin one last question for uh, anyone who wishes to reach out to you for any of the information around data observability even for you know if they are looking out to work in this space which is the best place to reach out yeah so you know just write to me i'm not a i'm not too much on social media like i said earlier i'm a kind of software architect at heart <laughs> so, you know, I, uh, Ashwin at Accelerator.io uh, is my email. You can, you know, write to our company's careers page. You can also find me on LinkedIn and drop me a message. Um, and, you know, like I said, just let us know and in, from any channel and, you know, come and meet us in office. It's great. Amazing. This was fantastic, Ashwin. Thanks for all the information. We spoke a lot around data observability, data quality, data reliability. Thanks for providing each and every detail, uh, you know, out there. In uh, you've made us more, I, at least I've learned a lot more about this space and uh, curious to see how, you know, this kind of evolve in the future. But thanks again for visiting the Ravit Show and, uh, uh, you know, see you soon for maybe a 2.0 session. And I'm definitely looking forward to the meetup that's happening on the 29th. I'll keep you posted. Maybe if I get a chance, I'll be happy to visit Bangalore. Yeah. Great. Yeah, most welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. And I think you're doing a great job. Um, like I said, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good to talk, you know, just about on any topic that you're interested in. Right. So, um, Thank you. Thank you again. Have a good day. Thank you.